This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, expect fizz as United look to go 7-up on Wraith. And McGee's massive moment for D. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. And podcasting alongside me are Alan Temple. Hello. George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finning. Hello, Finning. everyone. Graham, 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 whatever. See, that's what happens when you get old, boys. <laughs> what a Graham, start. Graham what Thingy. a start. Yes, but enough messing around. <laughs> what an introduction that was. <laughs> Come on, serious heads on. This is a big week. This could be a season-defining week, Alan. Yes, Dundee United could... Put one hand on the title just four months after you said they've won it anyway. Um, no, it's uh, very much looking forward to it. I think uh, I was uh, doing some dot counting this morning uh, before my shift even started because that's the life, the exciting life I lead. And there was only 17 tickets left in the, in the United section. Mm-hmm. So set, uh, head, heading for a away sellout, uh, not many in the Rovers end either. So for a game that's televised, you know, um, to get well over 7,000 at Starks Park is going to be great under the lights, really good occasion and not that either side needs the motivation but if if you did then it's the kind of match that everyone wants to be playing in and huge incentive for both teams if Dundee United win that match, Dundee United will win the championship definitively, without a doubt it's, I said that without moving my lips It's effectively... <laughs> Uh, due to the the, the realistically unsurmountable goal difference it would be an eight point advantage over Wraith Rovers and this is a Dundee United team that's lost two league matches all season they're not going to throw away uh, an eight point advantage so um, that's the carrot that's there you obviously won't hear that from anyone at Tanadice Uh, nobody will be admitting thinking that but I'm sure deep down they will know what a big marker they can put down in terms of getting back to the Premiership if they win this match. Wraith Rovers, for their part, also. If they bring that down to uh, one point, mm. going into the run-in, all of a sudden they're right back in it as well. So I think there's a, a hell of a lot riding on this match and um, undoubtedly game of the season so far in the Championship. And I can't call it. If I had to put my hard-earned somewhere, I... I think it would be on a draw. I know that that fence can get awful uncomfortable, but how many times have we seen games... I never found it uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) How how many times have we seen games that um, when the the stakes of losing are so high, you then enter the final stages of that match and neither team is willing to twist to the extent uh, that they'll get the three points? I suspect it might drift that way as the game goes on. However... The incentive if either side is brave enough to go and win that match is is huge. So, yeah, can't wait, and uh, I think it's a an occasion fitting on what's fitting of what's been a, a really good battle between these two same teams so far this season. Yeah, Peter, it's a hard one to call. I always have this theory. It's more based on this time of the season and old firm games that the team that's behind, and by definition, a, a win's a bigger result for them. It's harder, isn't it? There's just that touch more pressure on them. Yeah, there's no doubt there is a lot more pressure, I would suggest, on Wraith Rovers. Just for what Alan's actually said, I think if they lose a game, there will be a a recognition. They won't see it. Ian Murray won't see it. Jim Goodwin Goodwin certainly won't see it. But Dundee United will all but have wrapped up the championship, and that's that's what's at stake. Um, And, you know, both teams, what would you say, the thing about this game, both teams aren't set in the heather alight at this point in time with their, with their form, so it's going to be a really interesting one to see how they set up. You know, Wraith Rovers have to find that, that spark that has disappeared, I've got to say, yeah. Alan, since that victory at Tannadice uh, way back when. It seems like way back in December, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. they just really, really struggled to put anything together. Bizarre, they had so much momentum after yeah. that game. So much yeah, momentum. I don't know. I don't know if they just took their eye off the ball. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if it was just, you know, that victory maybe even surprised themselves how well they did that day, getting that result in front of a massive crowd at Tannadice. And they've just seemed to have, have, have stuttered a wee bit. They have, they have had injury problems, I've no doubt about that. Dungeon United have just kept 
plugging along without being brilliant, John, but as Alan said, they're not losing games in the league, you know that. I was going to say, you said not setting the header on fire, away from home, played 11-1-9, <laughs> drawn two, yeah. conceded three I know. goals. It's but that's Dundee, that's Dundee United in the Championship, they're judged by more than just results. Sensational, it's sensational away from That's That's what will give Jim Goodwin a lot of confidence going into a game that, you know, we'd love to win, but a draw isn't the worst result in the world. That's me being a bit cagey, I've got to say. You know, the win is the win is massive if they get it. But a draw still leaves race, Wraith Rovers chasing. Um, so the, the incentive is there for both sides, I would say that. So we're, except for a cracker, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'll, I'll be watching from the comfort of the city at home. I mean, George, tactically, it's difficult for Jim Goodwin to be adventurous uh, tomorrow night because, as Bear says... United keep plugging away mm. and they've got these players in attack that without a without a dominant attacking performance they've shown they can win big games particularly away from home so there must be a temptation to just keep it tight and the chance will probably come because Wraith have lost a good few goals yeah I mean I'm not sure he needs to be adventurous I have to say because Wraith Rovers tend to always be adventurous <laughs> Uh, enough for both teams, I think. Um, they'll come at United, and that might actually suit United because, as you say, they've shown over the course of the season that they're quite happy to for a, a game to kind of meander along. I'm thinking of the, the Inverness game a, a few weeks back where it wasn't a brilliant game, but they came out with a win and scored the late goal. I, mean, I can see that happening again um, because they've just got that absolute knack of pulling out big big results away from home um, and as you say Wraith Rovers are struggling to struggling for anything at the moment now they haven't won a league game I don't think since Tannadice uh, the the beat Dunfermline was that, that's their only one in eight I was thinking overall. that was the cup match yeah. Uh, yeah aye so I think it'd be what four or five defeats from the bounce I mean aye, how do you five in the spin you can't come I don't see them coming back from that regardless of the points tally Um but they're, they're struggling to keep the back door shut and United have the players that can take advantage of that. There's a gargantuan weight on the shoulders of Sam Stanton who I would expect to come straight back into mm. the team. I think he's been out for seven matches. Um, and it's shown. Yeah. And it has shown. He was outstanding at Tannadice in that 1-0 uh, victory that Wraith had. And he's been outstanding for the majority of this season. He was firmly, for me, on course for potentially, um, you know, although it's hard to say until you know who's won the league and that sort of thing, for a player of the year season. He, he mm. was that good for, for Wraith Rovers. So I think Ian Murray, given the circumstances, given the form that Wraith Rovers have been on, I think he'll pitch him in straight away um, on Friday night and there will be a hope from the Rovers end that he can immediately recapture that form that he was showcasing because you're right, it's about uh, it's about that spark, it's about refinding that um, kind of X factor that Wraith Rovers had earlier in the season. They weren't always dominating games, their matches were roller coasters, but they always had that little additional spark, that moment of inspiration that got them the three points as late as it took they need to try and refine that somewhere and Dundee United need to, for their part, um, make sure that this isn't an occasion that, that fires up the, the hosts mm. because you, there is part of you that wonders, is this the perfect game for, for race rovers? For, you know, they seem to yeah. well, um, they seem, to, and, and you know, I'm, uh, don't want to cast aspersions, I'm not in that dressing room, but they seem to wilt under the pressure of going five points clear. Mm -hmm. the, 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 their form since then suggests that um, this is a game where maybe there won't be quite as much expectation on them and uh, Dundee United need to make sure that this isn't a start of a, a Wraith Rovers resurgence first and foremost. Just on Stanton, the only uh, bone of contention I've got about him playing for Wraith Rovers tomorrow night is he should still be at United. I like Sam, good player. Yeah, no, he's good. Good, good player, great no, pro. He, yeah. he's maybe, he maybe wasn't going to take United mm -hmm. all the way to no. where they wanted to be in terms no. of back in the, the race for Europe and whatnot. But he's a decent Premier League player. Yeah. And I, I never quite understood no. why United didn't and hang think, on him for another contract. I think what, I think when looking back and what happened to Dundee United, I think there'd be a few others would say exactly the same thing, Tom. Um, I'm always wary about it. You know, there's been a lot of talk of Sam Stanton coming back and they have missed him. And 
and they're building up big time. I'm always yeah. wary about a guy coming back who's been out for so long mm. and expecting him just to turn the switch and be the that. same Sam Stanton that, that was there and, and was a, was doing everything. Can that? Talk about, for want of a better phrase, second game syndrome. Adrenaline gets you through yeah. certainly maybe 70 minutes of the first game. Yeah. Your the second game you feel it a bit more. Yeah, I think what they might get from Sands, they'll get a lift if he comes on the park. Yeah. The fans will get a lift. The players around him will get a lift. But whether Sam Stanton can actually, yeah. you know, make an impact on the game, as I said, let's give the lad a chance. You know, he's, he is just back. I'm sure he wouldn't be on the pitch unless Ian Murray felt he could do a job. I think he's the type that would say yeah. if he didn't think he could yeah. do a job. Yeah. He's developed into a really good senior pro, which yeah. um, I'm. I'm certainly not old father time in this room, but it does make me feel my age slightly because I do remember him, him coming through the ranks at, at Hibs when I was on that beat, and he was he was one of the very few bright sparks in a, a pretty dismal pack Fenland uh, rain. And, Hibs, uh, where he spent years after matches saying, "No, I'm not related to Pakistan." Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, you could always tell who, who was speaking to him for the first time with yes. the fact that that question would come up. But how's your dad feel? What? Uh, to, to, to be fair, he still is. He's still. Uh, as quiet a lad in interviews as he was <laughs> when he was a teenager he's uh he lets his football do the, the talking yeah. sam but he's a he's a really good pro and yeah and to your point he he won't do anything silly he'll, right. he'll be needed uh, yeah. on friday night one way or the other i suspect he'll start but he will have a, a grown-up conversation with ian murray that's based around there being a long season because we're not a race rovers podcast but if you're looking at this from a race rovers perspective you need to also be thinking on the playing the percentages, this is likely to be a season that's going to go to the playoffs. It's yeah. going long, yeah. you know, uh, if their their kind of dream of overhauling Dundee United doesn't come to fruition. So you can't be taking any risks with a player like uh, like him and with a few of the other key men. It's about um, you, you need to be ready to go deep into the playoffs if, if needed. And talking about very good senior pros who've been out for a while, do you play Declan Gallagher? I don't know. No, um, I, th I think uh, quite aside from the, the the fact that he's only just back in full training this week, um, I don't think you would split up Kevin Holt and R Ross Graham just at this point. I think if you've got a fully fit, absolutely no doubts about him, Declan Gallagher, then that's that's a bigger decision to make. But at the end of his first week back in training, no, I think Holt and, G and Graham have done enough for me to keep their jerseys. And I certainly, um, although Jim Goodman was speaking highly of them this week, um, I wouldn't be, certainly wouldn't be bringing in Sam McClelland either. Um, I think let him settle in a bit longer, let him be the, the cover and the, you know, fight for his place. But I, yeah, I, it would be a real kick in the teeth for young Ross Graham if he was to come out of the team at a point where he's playing very, very well. Because it's been a tough season for him. Yeah. You know, he's, that partnership of Holt and Gallagher was so imperious that he just didn't get a sniff. And then when he does get a sniff, he's playing right-sided centre-back as a boy who's played the best football of his career on the left side of a back three. Now, I know people might shrug and go, oh, defender's a defender. Mm. It's a different world, mm -hmm. those two different mm -hmm. roles. They really are. So... He's done really well adapting and progressing and uh, I'm sure he'll come out of this as a more complete defender, which yeah. is great, but he wants to play regular football and for the moment, I think he's got that jersey. And there is a thing we'll, we'll all forget about it, but even in the biggest games, managers have got other things to think about and what does it do to the lad if he doesn't... If Declan Gallagher's restored to the uh, team when he's clearly not 100% match fit, yeah, uh, as I say, the kid. yeah, as I say, I, I think you've got a really big decision to make when Declan Gallagher's fully fit and ready to come in and chomping at the bit because he's a super defender. He really, I mean, he's a, a recent Scotland squad member. I think it was maybe September 2022. Yeah, that he, no, was the, the playoffs when yeah. qualified. I mean, it's been. hugely recent right, <clears throat> that he was in the Scotland squad. He has got that level. So he will come back into the team at some point mm -hmm. during the run. And there's Does the, that point that I'm coming back in tomorrow? Because he was brought into the Scotland squad, I think, as a late call-up. And Steve Clark played him. Mm -hmm. And so he's gone in his first international game to do a job were players that he hadn't played, most of them he hadn't played with before, and he did the job. So does Jim Goodwin think, well, he can, as long as his injury's completely healed, he can do it. And he's always a boy that's kept yeah. himself fit. 
I don't know. I don't think. I don't think that Jim Goodman needs to play Declan Gallagher tomorrow night. You know, United are in a situation where they do have the advantage straight from the off. They've been playing, as as Alan's alluded to, Ross Graham and Kevin Holt have been doing a, a good job there. I think. I think if it's a if it's a if it's a last game of the, if it's a Dundee Queens Park scenario where it's winner takes the title and goes yeah. up, you might be <clears> tempted to, to throw yeah. him in for one game. Experience as well. Yeah, but I think at this point in time, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised to see him coming straight back. And I've no doubt he could do a job, Tom. But I think uh, the manager would be quite happy the way things have been developing over the last few weeks. And uh, Ross Graham settled down since he's come back and. and Rightly so, he's been given time to, to show what he can do. I mean, you don't have a huge amount of options in there. Um, he had a bit of a shaky start, but I think in recent games he's shown that there is a player there. He's, un, he's got a good thing going with, with Kevin Holt now. They seem to be developing a good understanding. So I would expect those two to be mm. running out tomorrow night uh, from the start. There'd also be a big risk as well, because this is one game. Even if mm. it goes badly, they're still top of the yeah. league, no matter what. Um, and he's stick Declan Gallagher and he gets injured again he's out, yeah. for, out for the majority of the season it's not yeah. really worth that risk it's the same, same principle as we were talking about yeah. with Sam Stanton it's mm-hmm. a long, there's a long season yeah. and it's a manager's job not to get too myopic about one game there yeah. has to be a temptation in the, in the manager's mind he looks at the perfect scenario as Gallagher watches tomorrow night United win and then in their next game, Gallagher comes back and they, the opposition are going, they're even stronger and they've just beat their main rivals. And we can't forget that the whole reason that, that Declan Gallagher had to go for that surgery is because he, he was brought back too quickly after suffering an injury against Partick Thistle yeah. and then breaks down 20 mm. minutes into the growth game. Now, I don't think that's a big danger because by definition, the surgery has repaired that area, so it shouldn't be a problem anymore. But it is a um, cautionary tale in terms of maybe... Um, uh, losing the losing the run of yourself and just wanting to get him back in the team. Uh, I'm with Bear. I just I don't see the need. No. And is the return of a now fully match fit or thereabouts Ross Doherty make it a slightly easier decision because you've got that screen in front of the back four? No, well, he certainly he certainly brings that. And you you, you saw what Ross Doherty did here. He also can also add at the other end of the park as as well. You know so. Yeah, yeah. But we've spoken quite a bit about Wraith Rovers already on this podcast. But I think you know now. You know when you look at what Dundee United have got within within the ranks, um, you know midfield going forward, and the way Wraith Rovers seem to give teams chances in matches. That's what that's what gives me the feeling that United can get a result tomorrow night, Tom. Um, you know because United have got. Guys who can come up with big goals at big times, Tony Watt, I think, you know, although I, I don't know what it is about Tony Watt, but you always feel he could offer a lot more, but he does tend to, when, when, the, when the chips are down, he pops up with big moments in mm-hmm. games, you know, and they're vital, vital goals he's come away with this season, you know, I think about the one up at Inverness, yeah. and there's been a few others in games, but... Um, yeah, I think United you know, have got more in their armoury going forward, you know, and, and they've all got opportunities as well. You know, I, I think that so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's set up for a, a ding dong battle. It's a fascinating decision that he's got to make at the, the top end of the pitch as well, because he's probably going to, I would imagine, go with that sort of four two three one shape, just mm-hmm. so you know, no reason to be too gung ho, and um, that leaves room for one striker. And Louis Moult, I would suggest, in terms of his attributes, more suited to playing one up top. He holds the ball up mm-hmm. nicely, f- physical, strong, brings others into the game, but Tony Watt is the man in form in terms of the, the goal. So so who do you pick there? And whoever misses out, say Tony Watt misses out, is he then in contention to play in that number 10 role instead of David Watherspoon? And mm. you're discussing these these dilemmas and it's underlining the depth that United have got. I was going you, to say, Jim a, Goodwin would maybe like the actual performance level to be a wee bit higher, mm-hmm. but his team are winning and he's now... His calls for tomorrow's starting lineup are who to leave out, not yeah. who to bring in. There's every chance that, in fact, you guarantee that you're going to have at least one player with real Premiership pedigree, perhaps international and World Cup pedigree, sitting on your bench in the Championship. It's a great position to be in. Last week, uh, sorry, the week before against uh, Air United, he brings on Tony Watt and Kai Fotheringham. I mean, in terms of goals and assists, they've got about. 25 contributions between yeah. them this season they're coming off the bench and Matthew Kujo and Archie Mikasen can't even get on the pitch it's 
Um, and kind of now that everyone's fit, it's an embarrassment of riches there. Declan Glass and Kieran Freeman, who would start for many championship teams, can't even get stripped. It's, well, you uh, take, it's we're a talking about Gallagher. There are teams in the Premier League that would, hmm? if Declan Gallagher was in their squad, would be playing for them this weekend <laughs> because they need them. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it's, it's a great position for a manager to be in. And, you know, and that's why I, you don't see him sort of bringing boys back just for the sake of bringing them back. Mm -hmm. Because while he might, he might feel that it, it could strengthen the team, it could disrupt the team slightly. If, if the team's been going quite well in certain areas and you take someone out, you know, what does that do for that player's mentality, yeah. you know, going forward? And, and, you know, can you go back to him again? maybe in two weeks' time when things aren't going so well and so you're, you're back in, where, do, where does that leave you? I think you've got to play players on their merits and if somebody's been and doing players well... players have got mates. And, and Tim Goodwin no robots. Yeah. You, get, you get other boys are upset with, with controversial selection decisions, don't you? Well, I mean, I, what I felt at times... is Jim, Nobody ever complained when I was left out, <laughs> What I felt at times, right from the off this season, Jim Goodwin, as well as putting a squad together, he had to change the morale in the camp from mm -hmm. what was a desperate, desperate season last season. And he's done that. And I mean, Alan, you, you're, you're more feet on the ground than me. Maybe you'll be able to tell. But it seems like a happy camp. You've heard very little unrest from the ranks at times, even from players who have been left out. So I think that, you know, Jim Goodwin's he's got a good squad there, a determined squad, a happy squad. And I mean, you've got that, you tend to have a winning squad as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Tony was in a bit of a grump about not starting against the air, yeah. but he channeled that into coming on and mm -hmm. scoring a goal and getting an assist, which, the best is, way to do it, isn't it? which is fantastic. That speaks massively well to, to his professionalism and, and the way he went about um, reacting to being dropped. And I do think that that selection of bringing Tony and Kai Fotheringham out of the team following underwhelming showings against Dunfermline is a, a shot in the arm to the rest of the squad, mm -hmm. as Bear's saying. There's a temptation, and, and Jim has been um, quite loyal this season, there is a temptation to stick with a, the same 11 if it's done well most of the season, even if it's a bad day at the office. Whereas I think Jim Goodwin's now in a position that he's got so much strength and depth and so much quality on the bench that even one bad performance now, he's, he's going to think about making changes, and the players now know that, and need to raise their levels and raise those consistency levels accordingly and as I say it can only be good for the run and I look at that squad and just think that's a squad that in terms of its fitness and depth is um, coming to its maximum level of strength just at the right time yeah. it's, it's looking good for the run and you, ha you do have to say and it is it's a what am I trying to say I mean it's a it's a squad I, they look to me like a championship winning team now simply because they win when they're not playing as well as they can. They, they still do the basic jobs, don't they? Which that away record, which you've been comparing with others all around Europe, <laughs> I believe, Alan. Yeah, but that's, um, that's always a sign that a, te a team that can win however well or badly they play is it tends to be a team that's in first place. Yeah. Really tempted to say that I was earnestly comparing Dundee United and Inter Milan in terms of their quality levels. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah there's, there's, there's people that evidently don't read Bond's headlines, but that's that's quite a, another thing. It was um, their uh, yeah their away record in particular is incredible and speaks to exactly what you're saying there in terms of um, being hard to break down and being stoic away from home and getting results because. You would look at that record and think they've been brilliant every game away from home. They haven't. I've been at every one of them. Mm -hmm. And there's been a couple of absolute smash hits in there, you know, away to air, away to Abroath, away to Partick Thistle. But there's been a few grinds in there as well. And I love that. It's maybe a warp in my mm -hmm. personality, but I love teams that, that their attitude is, okay, we're not playing well, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we lose. Yeah, and it's a self-perpetuating thing as well because the more often you do that, the more often you get a late goal or you scrape out a win on the road, the more convinced you are you'll do it again. It's a, it's a mentality thing. It's Wraith Rovers had it earlier on yeah, the season. Yeah, they dropped the league, didn't they? So um, the, that form um, on the road, listen, probably has to end at some point. They're, I think they've played 11 of their 18 away games that they'll play um, in the championship. And if they were to do 18 unbeaten, it would be unbelievable. They'll probably lose at some point. Um, but for the moment... Uh, that away record is something they can be incredibly proud of because how often do we talk on this podcast about how tough it is in the championship? You know, you go to these <laughs> venues and it's not glamorous and it's not um, uh, easy venues to play at. And um, 
for United to have such a good record on the road, it shows that they're approaching this championship challenge in the right way. Humble, hard work and hard to beat. And it's, it's paying dividends at the moment. And I mean, the great thing is, I don't expect it to pan out this way, but United could have their backs to the wall for 80 minutes tomorrow night. And if it's nil-nil after 80 minutes, they'll still think we can win the game. Well, I hope that. I mean, they've proved they can cope with backs to the wall if yeah. they have to do that. But I'd be surprised if it was like that, I've got to say, given the attacking strengths that United have and the way Wraith Rovers have been, have been sort of playing of late. I mean, the only reason that, you know, the championship isn't one you've got to remember is because Wraith Rovers have made a fist of it. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been for Wraith Rovers, then, you know, I think we would have been talking about United as, as championship winners already by this point in time. But they're hanging on. They're hanging on by the, their, their fingernails at this point in time, Sam. And, uh, it's been a commendable effort, but it has been a huge I, effort. I think hasn't it's it? taken its toll a wee bit, to be honest with you. you know, and, uh, I'm just wondering, we, we spoke earlier, I mean, what went, what's gone wrong? I think probably the fact that, you know, they had the, the, that lead at the top for a bit, and the pressure really told. And I don't think they've been able to handle that sort of pressure, you know, and, and they've, lost, they've lost games. And they've lost games because they've been poor, not because they've been... I've seen some of the games they've lost, and they've been mm -hmm. really poor in these games. Um, so they really, they really need to up the ante tomorrow night, tomorrow night, or uh, if they don't, then as Dundee United is there for the taking. Ian Murray's alluded to it a couple of times, I think, in one interview after the Broth game at home. He basically said they've they've not handled being top of yeah. the league well. And I think that's something that, again, you, you have to credit United for, that from the majority of this season, they did lead the way and uh, handled that pressure reasonably well and will look to do so again. But handled know, it's, it's tough. But, you know, it's tough setting the pace. It really yeah. is. There's a level yeah. of consistency that's required that, that people can overlook. I mean, United handled falling to second very well, mm -hmm. to their credit. They just knuckled down. Well, there was a period where Wraith Rovers could have put a real yeah. gap between the two of them and it, it yeah. didn't happen for I one reason or another, you know. I, there's a, you know, you can look at it either way. You can say that United handled being second and, and you know, fought their way back. Or you can say Wraith Rovers blew several chances to extend the lead. The latter is probably more true, to be honest. Not all. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, the flip side of all this is uh, I win for Wraith tomorrow. They're not tired anymore. <laughs> they're not lacking confidence anymore. And they've forgotten their bad run. I mean, you beat, you beat the team at the top of the league twice and draw with them once in the first three games of the season. You're going to, if you can't take confidence from that. It does feel a little bit like a... Uh, like Rovers are almost trying to create a sense of this is the last stand because you know their social media really try to drive home the importance of this game the fact that it's such a big crowd their fans are turning out for it in the numbers there's a singing section being uh, introduced towards the, the back of one of the stands and it does feel like they're trying to in every way they can do before they actually get out onto the pitch to create a mentality of this is the one. This is where we restart our season, kickstart it. And if they win, maybe that's exactly what it will do. But by the same token, if they don't win, you do then think, well, what have you got left in the tank yeah. in terms of a title challenge? Yeah. It and does I'm have the not... air of a game where both managers will say it. Whatever the result is, both managers will say after the game, oh, there's still a long way to go. But come the end of May, they might, mm -hmm. they might pinpoint that as the night when. I just wonder if it goes, if it goes into the last 10 minutes... And it's still all square. Are either of the teams brave enough to go and try and claim it? Because Wraith know if they go and United score, it, you know, it's basically game over for them. But United, by the same token, I've got a nice wee cushion there. Yeah. They could mm. take that into the next games. It'll be, be fascinating to see if that is yeah. the case going into the final, if somebody really sort of pushes for it and decides, you know what, the, the prize is bigger for them. The win is bigger for them. I don't think so. I think it's the same for both teams. That, that's why I would lean towards a draw if you had to pick an outcome because I think we're into that final 15 minutes. If I'm in either dugout, I don't roll the dice. But then again, maybe I'm just a coward. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's that's the way I look at it. And I think it would take a very, very brave team to yeah. go all out to win that game in the final 15 mm. minutes. Nil-nil with 10 minutes to go. Must admit, I'm tempted to say uh, who, whether it's Mole or what, that's on the part. I'm tempted to say Gallagher. We're gonna we're gonna have an extra defender for ten minutes. You're yeah, going well, on. I might join me in my cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, I'm all, I'll always settle for a draw if I'm a, if I'm ahead. But in other news, Alan, you've been speaking to 
Hero of 94, Guido van de Camp. Ah, absolutely. What nice a very one. nice man he is. That's eh? a nice way to end the part, isn't it? Some nostalgia. Yeah. Um, not only that, indicative of what a nice man he is. This, we're recording this on, on Thursday. I spoke to him on, on Wednesday and he was just back from his holidays. Got in touch with him last week and said, like, any chance we can have a wee chat? And he literally scheduled it for the day that he came back from his holiday. So very accommodating and always happy to reflect on some, to be fair, roller coaster times at United. Wasn't mm-hmm. always a man in favour. No, you know, no. Uh, uh, But ultimately um, came out holding the big prize and then immediately has one of his... Uh, um, uh, one of players' many uh, contract negotiations with, with Jim McLean that weren't always the most yes. smooth in the world. And uh, uh, that cup final proved to be his, um, his final game for United. Went on to play for Wraith Rovers, hence the reason why we were uh, speaking to him this week ahead of the meeting b- between the sides. But he touches on um, all that in the interview that you can find in the Tully online or in Friday's paper. So um, uh, definitely worth a read and a, a great guy. So still hugely, hugely fond of, of Scotland. His, his daughter got married in Scotland two years ago. Really? Uh, yep. She, and I wasn't um, invited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his daughter Lotta. Um, he, uh, yeah. Um, so still a, a huge, um, Scotland, a huge part of his and his, his family's life. So um a nice wee read. Um, no, nothing to do with me, of course, just uh, purely uh, Guido's sure words. Just Guido's words. Possibly the most relieved man I ever saw on a football pitch because he was outstanding in the 94 final against Rangers. He played a blinder and I can't remember whose shot it was, but there was a shot from outside the box and he did one of these, got both hands to it and dropped it mm. and dropped it behind himself. So he, he had that split second <laughs> he had to turn his head and saw it go past the post rather than the corner of the net. Uh, and I think that's when we, it was late on. I think that's when we sort of thought, mm, oh, Rangers aren't going to get a table. He's uh-huh. very, very understated for a Dutchman, isn't he? You yeah, know, he's, he's, uh, you know, there's a, he is not a stereotypical Dutchman for a for a man who's a a, a Scottish Cup winner, a, a Hall of Famer, you know, a bona fide legend um, in terms of his achievements. Um, he every time you you use words like that with him or you you reflect on that, oh. he, he does shirk slightly. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a very down to earth, normal normal guy, and. Uh, but he's still very, very fond of his time with United and, and for that matter, Wraith Rovers. You know, he, he's, uh, he, he lived with his family in, in Aberdour for a long time in Fife, oh. so he's very, very, very fond of, uh, of Fife as well. So Did he see who he wanted to win tomorrow night? On the fence. Absolutely yeah. planted on that fence, but I suspect, <laughs> I suspect, it's, uh, I suspect it's United. And to finish with a usual, a, a useless rather fact, <laughs> Aberdour, a strong connection with Dundee United. Cool. Craig Levine. Oh. A native of Aberdour. There you go. Talking of Craig Levine, uh, George wasn't the happiest man in the world uh, after his team's late 2-1 defeat at Dens on uh, Sunday. Huge win for Dundee. Leave St Johnson still will work to do to make sure they're not dragged into the, at least the playoff place. I don't think they'll finish bo- bottom. Uh, and under Levine, I must admit, I don't think they'll finish second bottom. That's genuinely one of your best segues. That was actually <laughs> genuinely quite good. I, you know what? I never thought about it at all. <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. I, can't, I can claim no credit for planning. But um, uh, what, just to stay with Craig Levine for a moment, what I liked with him, because I, I, I agreed with him that I thought, as delighted as I was that Dundee got a penalty, I don't think it was the most... Mm obvious pen technically it probably was a penalty but it's not the most obvious penalty uh, i've ever seen but rather than dwell on that he had a right pop at his own players and i think i think he was quite right because the it took dundee a long time to win that game but they could have won it a lot earlier couldn't they yeah i thought it was a massive win for, for huge dundee. huge win um it was a cracking game i have to say um it was, it was almost a throwback to Days when I, I started watching football and both teams play four four two every week because both teams had two strikers on the park and and went for it. There was forty one shots on goal between the two teams. Dundee had twenty six of them, which tells you I can't remember a Dundee team having twenty six shots in a Premiership game. I have to say, and um, not once, apart from the two shots that beat them, not once did the St Johnson keeper look stretched. I have to say, I know that's the that's the one that thing. Was that was the d- depressing thing, if you like, I thought, about I th- a great win. Dundee were really really good up until the box, I think, and then. I, th- I 
to be fair to St. Johnson, they defended the box really well. Um, kind of classic Craig Levine team, I would say. Uh, and they were dangerous on the, on, on the break. I, I, I agree with you that. I think they'll be okay in terms of relegation. But from a Dundee point of view, it, it just kind of... There's been... Form hasn't been brilliant. There's not, they've played okay, but r- the wins haven't come. So they just needed another win to kind of kickstart things. And a lot of ways, they're the opposite of United. Dundee, every time I see clips of Dundee, they're a, they're a highlight real dream. Uh-huh. Because to do enough in games to come up with an entertaining package. But you're thinking, well, you should have scored. Uh-huh. And you should have won, but you didn't. I know, it's, it's strange as well, because... Looking at the league table, um, up until Motherwell scored three last night, Dundee were the, the sub-top scorers in the division. So goals haven't always been a problem, but it feels like they kind of leave points that It feels the like that, yeah. it doesn't, Aye. because the, 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 I, th- I thought on Sunday, they created a right good few, mm-hmm. very good chances, and as I say, none of them looked like going in. I think George is right, I think... You've got the credit St. Johnston for a typical Craig Levine side. You know, St. Johnston don't give up good chances. They get blocks in. They get mm. they, they get bodies in front. So the keeper's well protected. And anything that gets through, the guy's a good keeper. Any crosses that actually came into the box, he took he took yeah. quite well. Mm-hmm. And I think Craig Levine's assessment is brilliant. I think, you know, he, he could have been on about other matters. He, he basically turned, turned it on his own team. And said they had to do much, much better after Dundee. When 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 uh, Luke McCown scores that penalty, chases after a ball. There's 15 minutes to go. There's only one team look as though they want to go yeah. and win that game, and and that's and Dundee won it. And he'd be disappointed. I've got to say, you know, with the Craig Levine, disappointed with that goal they've lost. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an own big delivery, but for for you know Jordan McGee to get in behind the line, it was a great header. I've got to say, yeah, and, I was going to say he continued his good good run of scoring Th- for him. Three goals and six, and they've all been they've all been uh, decent goals. Yeah, I've got and to say. I know the temptation to drop deep when you're defending something yeah. late on, but the fact that nobody went near yeah. own back, I know. all exactly. the time yeah. in the world yeah. to yeah. come across swing, swing one in. Well, Jordan McGee said that after we spoke to him after the game, and yeah. uh, we asked him kind of what's behind the the purple patches, and and he just said when when own back or Luke McCown are in space. Just yeah. get myself in that box because they'll find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that was a complimentary exactly thing. Players that the players that hit the pass like Owen Beck did, they'll say I could only do it because he made the run. Mm-hmm. But equally, players that make the run like Jordan McGee did will say they make that run because they know yeah. what yeah. I know Owen Beck is capable you, of. Yeah, and you like I think you mentioned in the article like Chill Chill Adam, yeah. yeah, and that, that, that's exactly it. You know, you, you make early runs and you get that that gives you just half a yard. Half a yard on a defender, and that makes clear in your mind, huge difference. It? Huge You're difference not. in the balls in there, and you score. Remember when, when Andy Robertson was at Tanada, you know John Daly's up front. John Daly would just as soon as Andy Robertson got the ball, just head for that oh. six-yard box, and more often than not, it was mm. delivered on the spot, and he he's in there and and, and scores. And you get a similar feeling. Owen Beck's such such an exciting player. I said at the time when he went back to Liverpool, when he was here first, I'd enjoy him well we can. And I was thrilled when he came back to Dundee because I think he's brilliant for the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just he's just a great, great talent, and I think he's got a lot to learn. And I think he's got a bit of defending. I was going to say I enjoy <laughs> him, I love him, <laughs> but when he, 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 like I keep saying it, like all young fullbacks now, he's got to learn defending yeah. because nobody seems to teach that at youth level. But also, I think he's really good as a defender. I think he's well, really, really it's, good. Position he's got that some thing. Things, where to stand and where yeah. to be and when to react rather than actually when he goes in for a I tackle or a got, challenge. He's got the great thing that a, a defender has to have at the top level. He's lightning quick. Yeah. So yeah. any errors that he makes, he can get back and, and, and there recover. Was, there was one on Sunday because yeah. St. Johnson and I, I was quite impressed with this front two. They were yeah. really yeah. fast, really real the limited the service. Game. And um, there was one, I, th- I can't remember, was it CDB who's lightning? Mm-hmm. He was through on goal from mm-hmm. a, a kick out from yeah, goalkeeper. Was, he it? had the whole half to run in, and Owen Beck made up the ground. Came across, and yeah. Just took the ball off him. It was, it was any other player. I mean, Sidibe's in, in on goal, but I mean, I hate Beck to be um, negative at all about the young god that is Beck. <laughs> George, get him on here so I can say, how can you hit the ball forty yards onto a sixpence? <laughs> and miss a whole goal for yeah. every time you go to the box. He just blooters it. Just pass think, it. I don't think he's a natural it. scorer. No. but that's why he's the. There's a bit of the Robertson about yeah, yeah, that yeah. as well. He he just hmm. he just goes for power when he gets in the but box. But he's an exciting, he? exciting second player. And he gets on the ball and you think ah, something's going to happen to him, and it's great for fans. And I think he mirrors a Dundee team who are 
I was at Paisley last midweek and they turned in their poorest performance of the season. Absolutely mm. no doubt. And, and then they bounced back with that on Sunday, which was it was a great... And even at Paisley, he, he was yeah. close to putting them ahead. Well, that's right. He, what about he, he magic? Through, but I was hardly created a thing and then to go and have 26 shots at the goal against St Johnston. And that was a massive victory for Dundee because it really does take them now in a situation where... I believe, I mean, they're, they're closer to Kilmarnock, they're closer to St Merlin than they are to Ross County and, uh, 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 what do you call it, Livingston at the bottom. So they should now be looking, let's see if we can close that gap, or if they can't close it, let's try and close out the teams below them for a top six a top mm -hmm. six slot. Mm. Um, I think they've got that in their armoury, they've got a great chance at, at the weekend, obviously, with Livingston, uh, sorry, Ross County coming to Dens Park. But they've got to keep up that sort of level of intensity that, that, that they showed against St Johnston. And you talk about, you know, Dundee George mentioned the, the goals, you know, it's quite surprising. They would have been the third top scorers. That's without a recognised striker yeah. scoring goals week in, week mm. out. You know, I mean, I, well, if you got, put Bojan Miofsky yeah. in that Dundee side, I think they're challenging hearts for third spot. I really do. Honestly, I really do. I think that, that that's a level that, that this team can get. There's somebody that could sniff out 20. I mean, you add his goals into a Dundee team. Aye. That's two really big statements. <laughs> <laughs> Some people no. might, might question and it wasn't me. No. <laughs> I do, because I think it takes them away from Hearts and, and, and uh, sorry, away from uh, yeah. Kilmarnock and St Martin. It takes them above, yeah. but above them. Because I don't think we've not got a striker in double figures or anywhere near no, double figures. Six yeah, is top so. But fair play to the rest of the team for, for weighing and winning. And on that, on that front, Dundee have scored the same amount of goals as Hearts in third. Yeah. And Lord Shanklin has scored 17 <laughs> their 33. Uh, spread them out. What a natural goal scorer does for your team. Exactly. Yeah. And if you take me off scout the Aberdeen team, they probably get <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Could we kidnap them? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it's a huge result. We should maybe go back to the first Dundee player we mentioned, Jordan McGee. He's a guy that's he's almost taken for granted, but he's been so consistent this season, hasn't he? I, th I think he's been great. He's under the radar, I would say, for a lot of the season. Obviously, started scoring goals and people start taking notice. Um, but he really nailed down that kind of the right side in terms. He's mainly been wing back, but he played right back on, on Saturday, and he could see. There was obviously problems with people being out at, at the start of the year and the manager moved him to centre-back for that Kilmarnock game. And immediately after the next game, he was immediately back at right-back and they were figuring out somebody else for the centre-back because I think he realised that they were really missing yeah, something. I think, I think what's telling though, George, is you know, that he stays in the team. A yeah. lot of players yeah. drop out of the team. He's got a big squad, Tony Docker, and he's, and he's not he's not slow to, to change things. But McGee tends to keep his place. That shows how highly he rates Jordan McGee. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a strange one because he doesn't lack ability. He doesn't lack skill. He can score goals. He can hit a pass. He's got great control. He's just not flashy about it, is he? He's very sort of... It's almost like a textbook, the way he controls. There's no sort of flamboyant wave of arms when he crosses or, or he, he doesn't sort of... He, he, like, you don't see his neck muscles straining. <laughs> I mean, the, the header on... Sunday is a powerful, powerful mm -hmm. header, and yeah. you don't really you needed to watch it a few times to realise because he, he times he's jumped perfectly, yeah. meets it perfectly with his forehead, so the ball the ball flies in, but he it's, doesn't look like he's, he's, he's always been one for scoring goals, and mm -hmm. I think you see that he must have uh, 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 in er his early years he must have enjoyed playing up front somewhere or just always going. He was, going he, he was yeah. an attacking midfielder. Yeah, yeah you can see it. because yeah. he's got he's got he, when he gets in he he, he can't take take a chance. Um, but he has been Mr. Reliable, Joe. Uh, that four and a half years he's been at Dens, he's been an absolutely fantastic yeah. signing for Dundee. And uh, the fact he's keeping his place and a team that's probably the best Dundee team in that four, that four and a half years shows how highly mm. Tony Doherty, Doherty raised him. And I remember the day he signed Raymond McKinnon, who he worked with briefly. Was mm -hmm. that I spoke to Raymond, and Raymond just said, he didn't want to be critical of anybody, but he said, I don't, I don't know why this lad isn't still playing at the top mm -hmm. end of the mm -hmm. Premier League. He's got that. He has that much effect on your team. He's so reliable and he's, he, he can play. I mean, we're talking about how important yeah. that his goal was on Sunday. Charlie Adams passes his runs, mm -hmm. got Dundee promotion yeah. Uh, yeah. two seasons ago. Absolutely. And he, he is the sort of guy as well who, you know, I think he's, he's well suited to the system that Dundee are playing just now on that right-hand side. But he is a guy who could play all across the yeah. back four. He could go the, he could, I've seen him play at left back. 
before and, and yeah. doing a reasonable job. So can play central yeah. midfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. Like he's a modern. He's a modern yeah. pro that managers like mm -hmm. to have yeah. in nah. their squad because he's. I mean, now you've got five subs. You probably <laughs> don't need these guys as much as you did five or six years ago. But I mean, even without changing personnel, you can comfortably change your formation. Mm -hmm. uh, with Jordan McGee's in your team because they play so many positions. Yes. Yes. Well, that's that. <laughs> He's I like a top, him. top man, top man. And part of the Dundee team that, that did really well on, on Sunday against the, the tough St. Johnston side who are battling for their lives. I'm, I'm a you, Tom. I don't see St. Johnston ending up in the playoffs no. at all. I, I mean, think. Yeah, the chances they created, I thought, yeah. obviously... It, the game was fairly open, but Trevor Carson made a couple of really yeah, good saves. Really the, good the, saves yeah. the one from the overhead kick was, mm -hmm. was excellent. I, mean, um, I don't see many teams going 1 0 down to St. Johnson and beating them. No. Mm. That's, that's, a, that's a big uh, big credit to that's Dundee. That's what I said at the time. I think we were fortunate, and as much as it was still 80 minutes to go in the game. When I saw that goal, and I thought, St. Johnson made like, like, I've watched them. Yeah. They're playing Rangers on Sunday. I'd be very surprised. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Rangers don't really turn over many teams I've got to say but St Johnston don't give up any they make life really really difficult typical Craig Levine and they've gone back yeah. to them this week and you know they'll, they'll be working hard on the things they did poorly and, and working as, as Lee Wilkie said when he was at Tardis under Levine when, when they lost the game they just went through over and over and over the scenarios that cost them the game until the they got into the system. We're not doing that again. We're not going to lose a goal like that the again. The Wilkies and the Dillons used to say to me, there was, it wasn't after the game when you when yeah. it was a bad result. It wasn't the dressing room after the game, which made it worse because mm. that, that would have got it all out the way. <laughs> yeah. it, they, said, they said that Craig said very little most times after games, but you knew on Monday you were going to be sitting in a room. Yeah. <laughs> and if you'd made a bad mistake, you knew that yeah. you were going to be talked through it yeah. and then shown what you should have done and, and stuff like that. And they said it was just, that was your, it was bad enough losing, but you knew that after your horrible weekend, you had a long and painful Monday to come. <laughs> yeah, but, but it works. And that's why St. Johnson, I think, will be, I'll be fine. Yeah. This season, eh? but uh, there was a few other talking points in the team. As That's well. what I was yeah. going to say. Uh, the, the, unfortunately, it was not without uh, some controversy. And I have to, I have to say, maybe, maybe I've been out of the day-to-day -day media grind for too long. <laughs> but I would, when I saw the replay, I was shouting for a penalty, and then I was like, "Oh, that wasn't good on the halfway line." Mm. Poor Michael Mellon. I know it's. Um, I've rewatched it far too many times for somebody's health I would say um, and certainly the hope Michael Mellon is, is doing well obviously he went straight to hospital um, and there's been a lot of talk particularly on social media since. Say as well well done to Dr Derek McCormack for ignoring the referee uh, and running on the pitch because he knew absolutely yeah. for those out there who don't know he's a very experienced football doctor he was at mm. United a long time uh, and with Scottish youth yeah. setups. He was at Celtic uh, as well because I, I tried to find a photo of him um, which we didn't have at the He had hair when he was at United in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> the only photo I could find of him was uh, a team shot of Celtic uh, mm -hmm. a few years mm -hmm. back. He was very, very yeah. experienced and respected doctor in Scottish football and he, 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 spotted, he, yeah. he spotted that it was a... Mm -hmm. uh, he was, yeah. I think, there's there's a more a I think there's a case for head knocks that you should just allow yeah. treatment yeah. Well, straight away the game can continue yeah. until the referee wants to stop the referee should have stopped it there's no I doubt mean, about yeah. that but it should just be allowed straight on the I park. think so I mean yeah. you watch the Six Nations on at the moment rugby yeah. They, yeah. they just run go on, on the pitch and the game yeah. Yeah, and, if it, and if it is too game, close to the ball the referee will stop it yeah. the whole the whole point of the rules are that that contingency shouldn't be needed yeah. because <laughs> it is a cast iron oh, non-negotiable rule that if there's any sign of a head knock, then the play immediately stops. Mm -hmm. So it's not a contingency that should be needed because it's such a definitive yeah. rule. And I, I mean, I'm, uh, he's, the referee seems to be looking straight at it. So I don't he know what he's thinking. But, it, yeah. but even then, uh, like uh, his, his team, his assistants need to be yeah. saying, listen, uh, I'm not sure if you've not seen this properly or whatever, but you need yeah. to stop the game. It's, well, it was uh, right I in front of the dugout, so the fourth official yeah. would have seen we, it. We talk goal. about, you know, we've had the debates and, and hear about VAR, about offsides, about disallowed goals. And do you know what? It's, it's frustrating, but it's all piffling. Subjective. Nothing. You know, yeah. in, in the great scheme yeah, of yeah. things. That 
was dangerous. Mm -hmm. That was a serious yeah, error. Yeah, anybody that's lying unconscious is you have to stop the game. And you know, I don't want anyone to hold over the coals or anything. But that is a serious mistake mm -hmm. by David Monroe. And uh, the, the, you know, the, there needs to be Andy, discussions as you see, about Andy's that. Team, there's a VAR man who's. Yeah. I know it's not his job, but. When it's yeah. somebody's safety, nah. there's a VAR man can see it on the screen, there's a linesman, yeah. or a assistant then, referee, there's a fourth official. But you would have hoped yeah. that one of them said to me, you that, need to stop this. What but, happened there for me is yeah. more serious than any mistakes we've seen. Oh, yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And it, it's, it wasn't the only one, the only time he played on with a head knock. It happened in the first half because Sarah Robertson mm -hmm. uh, took a hand in the face and was down. It's bizarre. Holding his head, and the ref looked at him and he played on and he looked at him and he. he, yeah. he St. Johnson went and could have scored. <coughs> um, yeah, I 100% should have stopped the game. It's See, I'm always... I, I, I can understand why some referees will be reluctant to stop for every head knock because we've seen Ross, teams use it to their Ross advantage. County, yeah. You know, when you're under pressure, players go but down... fell with his arms yeah. by his side. He was out in the air, wasn't yeah. he? But this was... I mean, this, this was one that was absolutely bang on. He's, he's standing 10 years away Look looking right at it um, and then the fact that both players are actually down hold their heads I mean it's ah. not like well one's still up and run that both because you saw no none of the teams are really going to complain because both both teams ah. are done, but he lets he lets it run on but then I've got to say right okay it should have been stopped it should have been taken back but the, the fact that as let the play run on Dara Costello goes into the box and for me he's tripped in the box oh yeah and it looks like a stonewall penalty now, are VAR, are, VAR look, are VAR allowed to go back? You need to tell me this, George, because from what I, should, what, what I thought penalty. should have been... Well, VAR gave the penalty. Yeah. It was, nobody, nobody really claimed for Dundee's no, penalty. No, that's yeah. right. The referee Yoko didn't did, see it. Yeah. Bakayoko yeah. had a wee shout, yeah. yeah. I've got, I've got to show that one. I did not see that. I did not Aye. see that. Well, it shows you that after the game, the Craig Levine was saying, I was asking Tony Docker and he was asking me, and yeah. like, who's the fuck? Is it for us or for you? Yeah. But that was right. that was that was one that went Dundee's way. I've got to say, but this one, I looked like I looked like a call could have been right. Vars are look at penalty kick to Dundee. We go back to the incident. Now I, I love. I'm not going to criticise centre halves because I, I, I love centre halves. They were, they were my favourite players. <laughs> Certainly robust centre halves in front of me. And that's the way centre halves. Especially go when he was over thirty five. That's <laughs> the way centre halves go for for the ball. Mm -hmm. Liam Gordon's a wholehearted player, and he went and he went into the challenge, and unfortunately, unfortunately for him. Michael Mellon actually gets the ball first. Yeah, yeah. And f just for that, Liam Gordon should at least be given a yellow card and he's on a yellow card mm. and he should be sent off. And that was just completely ignored. And it was like the whole scenario because obviously Michael Mellon's down for the best part in eight or nine minutes. That seemed to be lost in, in, uh, in, in sort of space. <laughs> you know, nothing was done on that. And basically, we just continued the last minute and a half or a second half, I think, that lasted... An hour and two minutes, you know, it's just getting. I know it's, it's getting ridiculous. It's really sad. I, I absolutely feel that they, they, there's a yellow card challenge. And why does VAR not intervene there and say, "Look, well, VAR can't give a yellow card." That's the they thing. can't. No, they can't outside red. the box. Okay, that's can't, not, okay. can't even okay. say if it's a foul or not outside no. the box. Right. If, if the VAR can decide it's serious foul play and recommend a red card, however, VAR can't have a look at it and say. It's not serious foul play, but it is probably a yellow. Yeah. That's yeah. not what. And what about the penalty? Could VAR have intervened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 100 percent convinced not, on the penalty. No, okay. I don't know. Okay. If, yeah, but on. Don't the, worry, Bear. We'll edit that bit out. No, at the time he may have hung a leg. At the time, I thought. But uh, he's definitely. I thought it was a penalty when I was watching it, but on the video, I'm not sure. How I mean, much. I don't, and I appreciate not every official's full time, and they've got other, uh, they've got lives outside their their, their weekend. Uh, officiating at football game but we, I mean we talked about Craig Levine's Monday videos yeah. earlier I, I would like to think and that's because it is as Alan says this is not this is not oh, uh, that wasn't a foul it was a foul it was a penalty this was somebody uh, whether it was a oh, foul yeah. or not somebody was knocked unconscious yeah. ah. I would hope that there, there are senior officials at the SFA taking the whole team through that sequence and saying uh, to the referee and I don't, I don't want to Blast the referee because yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure afterwards he didn't feel good about it at all. He, he simply not realised the severity of the situation. Mm. But hopefully somebody takes him through and says, he, "You should have recognised it was serious because of this." Say to the assistant and, and the fourth official, "There's more than just sort of rules and regulations here. You can you can say we need to stop the game. There's a serious." Mm -hmm. 
medical incident mm. here. VAR as well, possibly, if you guys are looking at that and see it, you should be shouting in his earpiece too. And and they take it through and, and they learn from it. That that I mean, that's the biggest thing yeah, for um, me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely should have stopped the game. The good thing was that the Dundee doctor, I used to say, Dr. McCormack, give no notice of what was going on in the yep. game. He was he realised exactly what the situation was and he was on the pitch. To be and fair or explain, they maybe say, maybe VAR said to the referee, we can't look at the penalty incident because there was someone on the park. Mm. So that, no. really, you, you have to sort maybe. of negate that. I should also, I don't know. yeah, also we'll give a shout out to the Dundee physio, Kevin Milne, who's a listener to this podcast as well. Speak to him about it, so I better give him a, a shout for getting on the pitch nice and quick as well. Um, but there's there's been... Should be treating players on a Thursday and Friday. Should be listening to us. It's a podcast. He yeah. can listen to it whenever he wants. Yeah. This isn't live, Tom. <laughs> but we're, we're, but uh, we're so interesting. It'll just distract him from... So, yeah, we'll be going up to uh, Gardine this afternoon to speak to Tony Dorkey and hopefully find out how... Mm -hmm. Michael Mellon is uh, a few days after he, he was released from hospital. Obviously, find out how Tony's ear is because I, <laughs> I saw from uh, our papers that he was getting a call from Craig Levine, who thought Doc was a wee bit over the top with his comments on the incident. Yeah, but it's understandable. I mean, it's it's, ah, it's he's, emotional. He's uh, he's just seen a young player stretched off and taken straight to hospital with a head injury. I mean, you can we know we all know the whole point behind you need to stop the game when there's a head injury because it can be really, really serious. Um, so I, I think it's understandable. It wasn't a good challenge. It was a really bad challenge, I thought, from Liam Gordon. I don't I, think it was I malicious. Think, no, I don't think so. I, was, what, what was he he's tried to head of the ball and he's head on It's mistimed. It's yeah. a mis but he, he's a wholehearted player, Liam Gordon. And, and you know, the centre-halves are like that. And I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend them. The biggest thing, the play should have been stopped. I think that's the biggest gripe I've got about the yeah, whole yeah. thing. Play should have been stopped straight away. Um, but what we say, Michael Mellon, when he comes around, is uh, if you're playing up top, I'll not be the last time he takes a centre half's no. head in the back of his head because that, I mean, mm. it was just a mistimed challenge. And, but hopefully, we'll never ever see, uh, hopefully, he doesn't get as, such a serious knock as that again. But, uh, you know, centre half's yeah, had a few knocks already. Haven't, yeah. haven't seen him in the flesh from my one game a decade. Um, He's a, he's a laddie who knows how to make sure a centre half knows he's there yeah. when he jumps, and it's that that encourages a f physical battle, and you don't want to take that out. No. But you you want players, centre halves and strikers, to be protected better than they were mm -hmm. on Sunday. In terms yeah. of your your conversation there about Levine phoning uh, Tony Docherty, I think by all accounts they seem to have gotten quite well. Yeah, as well. yeah, they've so gotten together before. I'm ah. quite sure it was a full and frank discussion, maybe a bit of shout, maybe a bit of, when you're friendly with someone, you know what it's like, you yeah, can yeah. be quite forthright. And I'm sure come the end of it, there was maybe an appreciation that, I mean, Craig Levine's done it many, many, many <laughs> times, yeah. that in the heat of the moment after the game when the camera's in your yeah. face, and as George rightly says, yeah, when you've just seen a young lad stretched the call on good terms. Exactly. And a young lad's just been stretched the way. Of course you're going to say something that's perhaps at the top end of the severity <laughs> scale in terms of what your point you're trying to get across. And even the life-endangering comment, I mean, I, I, I didn't necessarily subscribe motive to that. I don't no, think he was neither did I. You know, I don't think yeah. he was suggesting that Liam Gordon yeah, was gone from yeah. as, you know, to do that. I think he's maybe in and the, the wording isn't what I would have used, but I think the point he's trying to get across is it the was situation yeah, yeah. was yeah, almost you don't leave like, someone unconscious. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I, even then I don't prescribe quite as much um motive towards his words as some people have. Yeah. I don't think that was a blast at Liam Gordon. I, I really don't. No normally and uh, for, in terms of Liam Gordon, uh, if you if you're going to do something, you don't do it with your head. No, usually. no, I, 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 no, I, I don't he, know. You, you saw the way he went for the yeah, he, went, he tried he to head the ball. The he, ball. he was moving up to miss it. Yeah, he's and thinking he was getting the ball, uh, but he, yeah. and in the context of the game, they're, they're two one down. We're in stoppage time. Yeah, he's got to go and win that ball. He's got to go and win the ball. Or Craig Levine is going to be going Toronto at him for not yeah. getting. But unfortunately, he doesn't win the ball, and and, and you know Michael Mellon takes a full yeah. one right in the back of the head. And we'll, we'll hope he's back. Yeah. Soon. Obviously, he won't be able to play no. this weekend because of the concussion protocols. But hopefully, it's not a kind of prolonged absence, and we see him. Oh, back he was quick. only unconscious. He wasn't. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I think it's old manager. Yeah. Took, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what I said after the game, but when I went to see him in hospital, he was eating his dinner <laughs> and he was totally clear. He was watching TV, had the headphones on. Like, you know. When he woke up on Tuesday, he was perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, aye. So, I mean, it's obviously been a, a, a really good signing as well for Dundee. I think yeah. they, they could do with him, but yeah, big game on Sunday, was, Saturday, anyway. I mean, I was, I was going to say, I, 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 I don't fancy them on Sunday, George. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, to me, they're now. I, hate, I almost hate to say this because I'm, I'm almost. I can press the panic button after ten games of a win, ten minutes of a okay, game. Okay, I'll say then. Win this game and they're safe. I, th I think they're, all, they're already now almost in that position where they can think. Let's have a go at getting to the top. Aye. Staying in the top six because they're in the top six already. But if if they win on against Ross County on Saturday. Let's go, chaps. I, I think so. I, I think... I, I was having a wee look at the, the season and where the wins have come. Uh, they've won seven. Three against Livingston. They beat Ross County. They beat St. Johnson. And they beat St. Vernon Harps. So the bottom three, they've shown already this season that they're, they, they're better than those three. I'd like to see them kind of push on. Just shows but my heart to a wee bit different but beat your rivals mm -hmm. yeah. of a very good season I th I th yeah I think that's been the, the kind of what's underpinned it, what's gone really well this so far this season I think if they can continue that on Saturday that takes out the any feelings of them getting sucked into a relegation battle because the, the gap's just going to be far too big for MD to catch them at the bottom two to catch them well they ain't finishing 12th put it that way yeah and, and then from then you see how far you can go and yeah. if you can start taking wins off the, the, the teams higher on the table and kind of round you there then you can certainly start looking at top six and the great thing about this Dundee squad they've got so many players that can create mm. that are good to watch going forward eh? play some really nice stuff they do They're really really nice stuff you just think back to that Hearts game the Lyle Cameron goal it was a great goal I don't think it's been given mm. as was Jordan Um Elsewhere, outside the kind of Dundee fans, I think Dundee have had a lot of plaudits this season uh, from outside, but they're never on TV. Um, so I don't think people really kind of realise how, how much good football is getting played at, at Dens Park this season. There's a lot of entertainment on show. Yeah. I mean, but we spoke about this in one game, which I thought was a poor performance, mm -hmm. but you, you only have to go back a few days, then you're at Dens watching Dundee against Hearts, which was a cracking, yeah. cracking game. And then you saw the game on Sunday, but it's yeah. another cracking game. So you get, you're getting value for money at, at Dens, that, that's for sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the game. And a lot of Dundee fans will be looking at this game on, on Saturday and I'm thinking we're playing Ross County. It's just another three points. Lost Ross County are fighting for their lives. Yeah. What I've got to say is I watched them last night and if you look at the stats, Rangers had 40 shots. And I think the keeper had the most saves ever in a Premier League <laughs> game. 26 or 22 saves. It was just something ridiculous. It was a 40 odd shots, 20 odd on target. The keepers made 18 saves, something like that. It was just ridiculous. And Ross County, if Ross County are are going to stay up they cannot give up chances like that mm. I, I, and you know I don't care who they are even against Celtic or Rangers you cannot give up 40 chances Rangers should have won by a barrel load last night and to be fair it was a late goal that gave them their, their, their third goal but Ross County cannot keep giving up chances like that mm. if they want to climb away from the foot of that table and that's why I've a St Johnston supporter I take hope from the way Craig Levine sets his teams out because they didn't really give up as many yeah. chances I know Dundee had a few chances mm. last week but they're more dogged what I would, uh, I would worry about for Dundee is they still pose a threat yeah. Ross County they, they played Simon Murray last night he scored a great goal and, and oh, Eamon Brophy came back into the picture I'm a big I was a big fan of Eamon Brophy you know he, I think he, he wasn't so long ago he was in Steve Clark's Scotland squad you know and, and uh, he was scoring goals for fun in the Premier League. He's got a track record, but for one reason or another, it hasn't worked at Ross County. But he's a dangerous, dangerous player. But the way Dundee are playing, and and over the last few weeks, you know, you just fancy them to create Tom. And mm -hmm. I thought the introduction of Silla last week made a big difference in the middle of the park. Mm. You know, he just really solid. Yeah. He doesn't miss many tackles. Wins the ball back really well. Yeah. He knows where to stand. Yeah. Which is always it a makes, help. I think he's a bit more solid than Boateng. And Boateng's going to have to work hard. Boateng can play a bit more yeah. than he can, though. That's the, yeah. The kind of I, balance. I say, to be fair to. But Silicon can roll the ball to Cameron. Yeah. And yeah. Cowan. Yeah. And 
Merlin when he's To be fair to Tony Dock, when he changed at half time, he brought in Dara Costello or, or Costello, as he, as he likes yeah. to be known, and, and he made a difference as well. That was he went with classic wingers. Yeah, it? yeah, the, the two wide men. Yeah. So, but I think we're set for another. It's, it's a game where you, you know, you're going to go and you're going to be entertained, I think, which is a great thing for Dundee to have. I don't, I don't, uh, George is saying if they win this one, and yourself, Tom, I think you would look at it and go, yeah, that's, that's definitely. Now, I don't see Dundee getting hauled into a relegation battle nah. at all. And I think. Yeah. Where they are, and, and no, you know, I don't, I, I do not see Dundee going on a run of games where they don't pick up any points. They just, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win every game and they're, they're going to pick up, you know, points left and centre, but they will not lose three, uh, three on the spin, four on the spin. Yeah. Which I don't see mm -hmm. that. I have to be honest, if I'm looking at that table in six places, uh, a name other than Dundee, I'm thinking it's whether or not that team can stay in sixth. Mm -hmm. It's not about. Are they going to finish eleventh or twelfth? Mm -hmm. But because it's Dundee. Ma, ma, when I'm looking at, I'm I'm looking at when I look at it now, I look Dundee are in the top six and they've sort of clung on to that a wee bit. Mm -hmm. Last week St Johnson right. could have jumped them, but they held on. And for one reason or other, throughout the last few weeks, they've, they've managed to hold on to that. But they've put a wee buffer in there now with that th that three points last week. My concern would be Hibs and Aberdeen because you expect them to pick up. But I'm yeah. just looking and looking and I don't know if it's going to happen. Do you know, it's a funny one. I was literally just about to say the same thing. I, I've been, mm. all season, I've been saying, I, I don't like the fact that Aberdeen are one of the teams mm -hmm. below Dundee because they'll do what they did last yeah. season and the season before, which is get a resurgence out of somewhere. But then again, you're looking at that game last night <laughs> and you're going, I don't really understand the team that Warnock's played. I don't really understand what they were trying to get out of it. He doesn't have a transfer window to work yeah. with. I, I, I mean, maybe he'll, he'll prove us all wrong, but it didn't smack to me of a performance of a resurgent team that have got a new manager bounce. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I wonder if... Uh, I, I look at the, the personnel that were in that Aberdeen team, the way they lined up, the performance, and I compare it to what Dundee are like yeah. in terms of they've got quality in the team, they've got a... a a preferred system, a mm. unit. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I, and then you're looking at teams like Motherwell. I, I, I don't fear them. Hibs, I would expect them still to potentially. They've got Martin Boyle back, I think. That's yeah. Um, but uh, Aberdeen are, are an interesting one. I'm, I'm just not sure the resurgence that I assumed was coming is coming. Mm. Anyway, boys, we'll need to wrap up. Wraith and United will need to delay kickoff. It's <laughs> gone on for so long. <laughs> If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, 